in the wake of the flood in my basement last week, uh, I had damage to uh, my floor, um, paint uh, taken out uh, when the flood waters came through. Uh, when I'm talking flood, I'm only talking about maybe an inch or so of water. But for my basement um, and my setup down there with my water heat right on the floor, um, it's, it's, a, it's a recipe. Uh, it's my, my basement is, is acting as a recipe for a uh, mini flood disaster. Um, kind of a shallow flood would do it of about two inches, which is what I had basically. Uh, you know, a lot of spots were, were less than that. But I lost about half of my clothes that were in a pile. Um, should have had them off the floor. It was a dirt, my dirty laundry. Um, I don't do my laundry every week. I really kind of let it pile up. And send, I kind of do one big load. It seems to work for me. Um, and so I lost about half of the clothes there were just totally mildewed and beyond any uh, beyond any hope to to at least retain them in my wardrobe my limited wardrobe as it is so it's a it's a stopover um, it's a stop over to our friendly local uh, Marshalls store um, I swear by it for for things like this khakis I need khakis um, I need um, Underwear, underwear. I need, um, I need some good T-shirts that are um, beyond the underwear pack. I need, you know, some colored T-shirts I like, uh, and it might give me a chance to re rethink my wardrobe. A limited budget. I'm a limited budget, but I do need clothes. But I'll certainly, by going to Marshalls, be saving. Uh, oodles in a sense that they really it's a great store you know I don't know if you've ever been in Marshall's um, if you have one near you um, they're uh, they're really 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 great and they're really great for holiday shopping you know um, uh, Christmas shopping for others and even for yourself um, I'll go in and do Christmas shopping and I'll um, end up buying something for myself first. It was sort of a tradition that I just kind of started. It's like a, it's like a little bit of a selfish thing, but I was okay with that. But anyway, uh, Marshall's awesome store, really. Um, I recommend it uh, just for great buys and, and actually a pretty good selection. You might get frustrated though. Um, you might get frustrated though. Uh, not finding what you really, really exactly want. Uh, it's not that kind of store. It's a store where you go in, you generally know what you want, and you see what they have. Um, yeah, and uh, <clears throat> turns out they have a really good men's section, um, a good women's section, larger usually than the men's section. Um, and then, you know, young, younger people, uh, boys, girls, um, sections to it. So it's really um, broken up that way, which is helpful. Um, it has other non-clothing items, which is a, sort of a, 
my go-to also outside of the, the clothes aspect. But khakis, um, some polo, um, boxer style, um, uh, preferably black or gray uh, underwear. Um, I like polo. The others are good too. Um, but I like I do like polo. Uh, it seems that it just lasts a little longer. Um, definitely. Yeah, because I bought another competitor's um, shirts and they had holes in them. I was really kind of surprised about that because I don't really wear wear the wear rough, and I don't you know um, I couldn't understand where the holes came from. Um, I don't know if there's any critters down. I there my house is luckily knock wood um, a critter free outside of my cats, which have every right to be here because um, they're my family really. Uh, me and my two cats, um, but yeah, certainly um, the whole polo suite. You know, well, you know, it's just a t-shirt and a, and a uh, it's a t-shirt and um, and polo uh, kind of um, really comfortable underwear without getting into the underwear aspect too much. But then I then I need to move on to. Uh, you know, my, a couple, maybe more, a couple more freshen up my wardrobe. Less priority on my list, though. Uh, a couple of um, short sleeve dress shirts for the remainder of the summer into fall. Um, my arms get cold in fall. I'm not going to be wearing the shirt too much in fall. I don't like cold arms. Um, so I, uh, yeah, but. I will probably get one or two shirts, you know, maybe, maybe prints, you know, maybe prints. Um, I tend to be a little conservative when I buy clothes. So I, I like, I, my, I go, my go-to is the classic um, khaki, you know, and I like Nautica. I think that's a good brand of clothing. Um, and the quality is good. And I like polo for clothes too, of course. And um, those are like those are really the two big brands, um, unless you're looking at, you know, maybe winter coats. But even then, uh, yeah, it's all good. They got you covered, really, liter literally. Um, but Marshalls itself is great, and um, it's you can just. Relax. Everybody's really nice, helpful, helpful staff, salespeople, and yeah, it's very, very. It's a very good place to shop. And I did my Christmas shopping. I probably had my best Christmas shopping year season ever. Um, I, I go late. This was moderately late, um, maybe three weeks before Christmas. Um, I went and and. Um, I scoped the whole scene, and I ended up getting gifts for everybody, and it was actually very, very good. Uh, I was able to decide without even having to, I usually am a kind of a wreck at Christmas because I wait too damn long. Um, I'm, I'm one of those guys that's at, at the shopping, you know, I've been known to shop as late as the closing hour of Christmas Eve if I could help it, certainly. Uh, yeah, really doing it, and then doing a real fast wrap-up job. Yeah, definitely. 
um, but trying to do it nice, um, I tried to strike a balance, you know. Um, I always sort of tried to put the bows on the gifts, and I had quite, quite a few to do, and this year it was no exception. But I found something, that, um, an item that, that uh, you know, um, well, let me just confess, I, I, I bought pretty much the same gift for everybody, just different brands or versions. It was in one six by eight table uh, in the store that had a promotion and it was all uh, discounted good. I like that. <laughs> and um, yeah, I got, I got most of my gifts there and in a couple other other departments, um, I got a couple other gifts that I had to get. No, it was, I couldn't get over it, how really easy it went. I went with my friend Gary, um, he, he's helpful, uh, and you know, um, we like to just, uh, we, we, uh, he's a good friend of mine, and we'd like to check out the whole scene Anyway, um, yeah, we'll go to Market Basket, him and I, and just strike up conversations with customers as we go down the aisle. That's just the way I go from, you know. Um, and I have never gotten any negative response from that. It's always been really positive, you know. Um, and I want to, you know, I always like to see that there's such goodness in, in people, you know. Um, really, and I, from my sampling, but I do like those stores that really give you a good deal because it's important in these times. We're all like, it's really like, it's sort of, we're in really a kind of a crunch situation. Inflation has been tamed. Uh, it's back down to 4%. I don't know, the feds might want to get it down to 3 They did raise the interest rate. I thought it was very surprising uh, the other day. A couple of days ago, they raised the yeah, the interest rate, the usual conservative quarter point, uh, and that um, correlated so beautifully. The other day, New York Times had one of their great charts, and it totally correlated with the time of or timing of the. Um, let me just take a sip of water. Thanks. the um, declines in inflation, percentage of inflation, from a high of, I think, about 8% last year, um, correlated totally to the quarter point interest rate hikes um, uh, that the Fed uh, Yellen was, uh, was doing, Janet Yellen, uh, the Fed chairman. Uh, so they were doing that kind of thing uh, doing that kind of economic dance, you know, complicated formulae, I'm sure, complicated, but yet a simple kind of elegant presence, and that is to check and balance that whole pupster. Uh, the great thing about our country is that we have such great laws in place. Uh, they are laws that are unequaled unparalleled in laws and rights given to citizenry, I believe, anywhere in the world. If there's another place, let me know. Uh, of course, we have our libertarian kind of spirited European countries. You know, there's no question about that. 
Um, but they're, they're leaning to far right. But certainly in America, whether, whether we're far right or far left, depending on who's in the executive Oval Office uh, and um, working on by behalf of us uh, and Commander-in-Chief, uh, and that's the Presidente, um, in this case Biden, um, and his scores have been really low. He needs to really crank it up. It's going to be interesting to see how he can get his approval rating above 40%. He's at, he's at, he's playing with all-time kind of lows for president's uh, approval ratings. He's in that, he really, and that must be really grating at him. I can imagine. It must be really something that he doesn't understand. The Democratic Party does not understand why Biden's approval ratings are so low. But they are not abysmally low. I, he has recovered, I believe. Um, luckily for him, he has been able to take a little bit away from that uh, disapproval, uh, or rather, uh, the the approval rating, the gold standard for a president. The president is always concerned about the public perception, and the great thing about the United States of America, the country we live in, that is, um, that is, and I'm not like a flag waving. Um, uh, kind of American, but I do love my country, and I, I like it when it does right kind of cool things and makes really important, you know, vital, important decisions. I mean, this is all important stuff. And the government, with its laws and rules, they can never be shaken. They can never be shaken. They're tested constantly. They're tested constantly, and, it, and these items are always in the news. Uh, you know, Netanyahu, Netanyahu and, and Israel's uh, judicial system not with, notwithstanding. You know, um, it's, it's really, so I, I'm encouraged that. And I know it's the way it works. It's the way it works. It was what, what makes it so great because it has to be that because it's for the people, of the people, by the people. And that huge consensus really and that's us we are representative every time the president steps down in the red carpet in the east room uh, with another dignitary he's representing us where there's pride there's pride certainly um, you don't want the president to fuck up and he's not going to really do that uh, he's not really going to do that um, without going into that aspect too much. He's heavily protected. So there's such a, a uh, it's, it's actually pretty incredible. There's such an um, importance placed on the man uh, that he trumps every star in Hollywood easily. President Biden is the most famous person in the United States right now. Uh, he's not the most popular. He's the most famous or infamous. But I'm going to say famous because his office, you know, we talk about Trump, but it was the office that kept Trump from really, uh, don't you bet if Trump had all 
uh, of the shackles untied from him and what he could do and couldn't do executively. He, all, he really tipped it close, um, tilted it close when he really put out all those executive orders. But he doesn't even equal the executive orders of other presidents. Um, I'm not recalling them right now, but yeah. But the bottom line is Biden's approval rating needs to go up for the general election uh, phase that we're going to be coming into really soon. Because you know the Ohio... Uh, the Iowa, the Iowa uh, primary caucuses are be, are going to be very soon, and they're in September. The primaries are September, and the general election uh, for 2024 is in October. Is in October for 2024, so we're still a little over a year away uh, from someone being elected. And likely at this juncture, uh, Trump is hanging in there despite all his negative publicity uh, with all his investigations that are being laid upon him and uh, he's being subpoenaed or he's being in his indictment, I should say, his indictment. Uh, he did basically everything except the perp walk. They, they gave him uh, sort of the grace of the office again kicking in, I'm sure. Um, they didn't bust his balls as far as him having to do any kind of perp walk. Perp, 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 perp walk. As you see with, with uh, disgraced, um, disgraced executives um, tucking their heads in their coats uh, on a cold, wintry day as they go up the courtroom steps, certainly. Um, that's a visual that is engraved in, in all of us. The perp the perp walk. Uh, I don't want to be in one, do you? I, don't, I wouldn't mind being the cop doing it, uh, but I don't want to be the subject of a perp walk. Uh, and neither do you, and neither does anybody. And certainly not Donald Trump. To honor the office, they just did not bust Donald's balls. They just did not go there. They wanted to, because they hate Trump. They hate Trump and all he stands for, and they hate him in particular as a person. Uh, that's the that's the um, oh that's the tenacity of our two system two party system, uh, our two big huge parties uh, that we have that are just huge beyond huge. I mean, they're probably the hugest entities in this sense, even though you don't see the real dollars. Their influence is really important. We noticed that corruption has occurred since day one, I'm sure, uh, of the forming of our government. Almost to the day. I'm sure there was some kind of corruption that was created or generated uh, and set the tone for politics, uh, the, the tone for politics. For now, what do you think of when you think of politics? Crooks. My meme would just say crooks. My meme Massey on my mother's side. But my meme Lucier. I love my meme Massey too, but I'm not talking about my meme Massey. My dad's mom. I'm talking about my mom's mom, meme Lucier, Bernadette. Uh, no nonsense. No nonsense. You know? Um, oh, sure. Yeah. 
and scathing, you know, but not, not a big commentary. She just said it with a few words. Uh, crooks. Crooks. You know, what do you think of when you think of politicians? Um, you think of schemes, backdoors, deals, really. Um, we have it, especially in Rhode Island. Uh, we're actually known for it. Seems when they make a movie about Rhode Island, it's usually about the mafia um, or other uh, negative aspects of Rhode Island's politics in general. Um, and the, the, the good people of Rhode Island don't really deserve those representations, although they're, some of them are realistic. Some of them are realistic. Um, the temperament, the temperament in the 18th and 19th century, uh, in the 18th century, uh, Newport um, was the slave trade into the 19th century, well into it. I'm going to say the cargoes, loads, went back and forth. Uh, it went fourth way to uh, fourth, forward to from Africa um, uh, to uh, the United States in the West. So it did that east-west traverse um, in, in ships that were big, but not big enough for uh, the populations of captive um, black slaves that they kept in captive, uh, certainly. And I, you know, I'd imagine there might be some gypsies that were also enslaved, but I'm not sure about that. Uh, the gypsies are another tough, notoriously tough, uh, very, very portrayed back in the, the early, I sort of know about westerns, um, in a lot of western schemes there were, there were traveling gypsy families, and um, there was one on wagon train where the daughter was possessed, uh, they were gypsy family, I believe, Romanian, I believe, or gypsy. Uh, and the daughter was possessed and the parents had nothing to do with her. And if it was Ward Bond, it might have been a Ward Bond era one. Um, he was the first wagon master. Uh, Seth Adams was his character name. And, and then we had, he was followed by, he, so he died and he was followed by uh, John McIntyre, uh, and I'm forgetting his character name. Both equally uh, good, good heavyweighted heavyweights, but not heavies. They, they're good guys, um, but they. Uh, John McIntyre was a very good replacement. It was a seamless replacement, it seemed to me. Uh, and those shows are almost in interchangeable. Uh, it has a very short opening before the titles to set up what's going on. I like that. I like that. Um, I think it's kind of modern. Um, I think it's a television invention, which is kind of cool. Uh, I, I'm very much interested in, in mid-century broadcast television. I can do a segment on it, 
or I can continue on this segment. But I like, I like to get the thing solved, but I procrastinate. But the clothes will be get, we will buy those clothes uh, very soon because I just simply uh, need them. I, I need to have some clothes. It's just as simple as that. And the, um, the half of the load that was destroyed was no good. Uh, mildew infested. Uh, half of that was clothes I would have thrown out anyway. So it wasn't a total loss, really. I was going to throw about half of those, maybe even more actually when I think about it. Uh, oh, wait, I was going to toss those out because those were no good. Um, uh, I'd like to bring some stuff to the Goodwill at some point to just filter out some of my clothes. It would open up some space and do good at the same time. So I don't know why I'm sitting on that. Uh, it's not a big priority, but maybe I should make it a big priority. Um, maybe I should make it a big priority. I gotta take another sippy poo of my water poo. Mm-hmm. Nothing like it, folks. Water. H2O. Yep. H2O. It's, it's just, it does it for me. It does it for me. I'm coffee in the morning. Yep. Okay. You know, 7 o'clock to... 12.30 is blocked out, certainly for my two Yeti mugfuls of um, coffee, you know, uh, definitely. Uh, I don't drink water when I get up. I read recently where you should just drink a lot of shitload of water. Um, and it got into complications about having water with breakfast, and I just lost it after that. I mean, I didn't lose it. I just lost, they lost me. I just, I went on to another read, but, um, yeah, it's, bottom line, bottom line, I got a dry cellar, finally, the puddles have dried up, um, I vacuumed quite a bit out of water out of the, and then poured it into the set tub, which clogged later on, but it served its purpose, thankfully, uh, I actually was thanking God, actually, out loud, I think, uh, just because he was helping me, I think, deal with the whole situation. Um, you know, um, I, I could have sort of lost it. I felt at one point that uh, it was such a shock to me uh, when I came down that day and saw all that water and mud. And it was like one of the first times I saw like the mud trails with it. It totally just mudded up most of my basement floor. Two-thirds of it, I'd say. Yeah, and over by the furnace was pretty nasty. Over around the water heater was where the water was level and it put the pilot light out. And I had to go through a little bit to get that lit professionally with my man Phil, thankfully, coming to the rescue as usual with all my plumbing uh, dilemmas, which aren't many. Uh, but I did have one before uh, that he took care of really well. He's making some other recommendations for me to do some relatively minor stack rebuilding for the main drain stack because it was involved with what happened uh, if you listen to one of my earlier segments. Um, it was uh, a kind of a major flooding for me. 
uh, in my basement. Um, I had really never really seen anything like it. Um, and it was because of the steady rain uh, coming in through the windows uh, uh, and then initially and not very good when I came downstairs and heard that rushing water uh, and it was my main stack by the floor, the clean out. Uh, the cap fell off about a three and a half inch diameter. Uh, cast iron with the lead line that you hammer in with the ridges. That popped out. It was old. It was caked. It was cracked. It failed. It was a total part failure. And that's what happened. It was found about six inches away from the clean out. Um, it popped off when the water bubbled up. And that was like a globe of water, literally, coming up, like a ball of water coming up from that main. That's the volume that we're talking about. Um, I live in an older section of the city that has no, uh, no storm drains to speak of. Uh, never modernized it. These houses are from the 20s, 30s, and 40s. Uh, no, some of them are from the 1900s, certainly. So they span 50 years there from 1900 to about 1950. And no storm drain. Other, new, other sections of this, of this section of Darlington that I live in Pawtucket, other sections, I believe, are tied in. But we're, we are not where we are. Uh, so, unfortunately, the sewers were overwhelmed, and uh, they just backwashed um, not that bad water. wasn't bad smell, really, at all, um, which was a good thing, I guess, pleasant, more pleasant in that respect. But it still was a pain, a royal pain in the ass. And, and my floor was really... It, it could be washed and brushed clean, certainly, but I was not into any of that work. And But now i got to do it. My floors have dried up some, so it doesn't look as bad, but the mud, now um, just dry dirt, um, is just there. And it's not as dark as it was, so it doesn't look as bad. But I'm going to try to get down there, you know, soon and deal with that. But the emergency's over, and I've remediated the window... I have two front cellar windows with, that get the most of the weather. That's all I'm concentrating on. I don't care about the other windows. They're all fine. My front north, uh, south-facing windows get the worst weather. Uh, my bushes help a little bit, but um, those cellar windows take a real hit. And it's, you know, think about it. It's only about a ha an eighth of an inch storm window separating you from disaster. Uh, but the water was so pressurized in the window wells and seeping to the to the uh, to the concrete wall outside wall of uh, you know seeping that far uh, into it with the heavy heavy continuous um, rainfall uh, and yeah it was um, a miracle that those little windows held up. Uh, but around them, the molding failed. There were cracks in the molding between the wood and the uh, wall, cement wall. Um, and it uh, totally uh, was not a good situation. It was not a good situation. I stuffed it with plastic. Uh, luckily, a plastic bag was lying around. I got a, um, a 
tool that could just go in the groove and I tucked it in really tight and that that stopped uh, much of the flow uh, and then I proceeded to uh, do some more vacuuming of water uh, with my trusty squeegee attachment um, courtesy of my friend Gary across the street his vacuum uh, I did that and kept up with the flooding uh, for the most part and what I did do the other day with the help of Gary I bought that um, which is my original thing I'm coming back to I bought that uh, uh, flex seal like product but it's actually uh, it was called um, Gorilla another good brand didn't like the way it applied but it, it, for the most part it's just, it's sticking pretty well it's flex tape like but it's called Gorilla and we put that down uh, around the windows the, ba the basement front windows and I did it just to one the real problem window and uh, again, thanks to my friend Gary, who just came into the studio, folks. Hi, Gary. Hi. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Lulu's right here on the ottoman with us. We're all chilling here. And I'm going to wrap this segment up. Gary just popped over. Uh, I think I said what I wanted to, to say. Uh, I wanted to just close with uh, the fact that the tape is probably going to hold the water in, and I feel really good because we did some other things in the basement to stop water from coming in down there. And in the wake of the flood, uh, I'm reporting that things are uh, pretty status quo. Of course, we have a lot of access to a lot of information, ready, done, and um, uh, content that we enjoy on our phones, our tablets, um, our smart TVs, um, streaming, uh, Hulu, um, you know, um, Netflix and, and others. And we have this technology, we have this information, and we have this, um, what, what amounts to blocks of time, blocks of time uh, used in these endeavors, uh, if we can call them that. Uh, are they enlightening and, and enduring? Uh, you know, that might be something for a later discussion to get into the subtleties of it. Um, can it be enjoyable? Uh, certainly. Can it be, can it be enlightening? Maybe yes. Can it be? Well, yes, certainly yes. Um, uh, many times I've discovered many things just doing a simple Google search, you know. Um, you know, if you just want to just uh, look up something, uh, the, you know, we, we Google it. It has is, is become a verb. It is a verb in the English language to Google. Um, the power of a brand to actually make itself into um, the American dictionary, um, at least. Uh, and that's, that's Google. Uh, Amazon's not a word, except in the rainforest of Brazil uh, and other places. Um, and, and, and uh, YouTube, uh, same thing there. Uh, it's pretty much Google. Google, Google is, a, is part of the lexicon with the small g, which is their logo anyway. Kind of smart, huh?
weren't they kind of smart when they designed that logo? It's kind of ubiquitous. It's, it's, uh, it's, 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 uh, it's just the word spelled out all lowercase with, with uh, red, white, and blue, I believe, or red, white, and yeah, red, white, and blue, or green, um, yeah, and yellow, sort of like the simplified colors of the rainbow, the primary colors. Um, so aside from analyzing the Google logo and their culture, it were culture, which has got a lot of questions as well as answers to it. Um, is it is it a is it a is it it's, it, it is a captive work culture. They've got you for the day at least, maybe even more. Um, you know, you've got the hardworking uh, Google geek nerd um, star. You know, there's always stars in the creative departments at ad agencies and design firms. But you've got this nerd star and, and what, what he's all about. And that's his whole mindset. He's a Google guy. He's the typical, uh, archetypical, actually, Google guy. And we all know him. Um, he's a little different from the, uh, the, the um, well, he's different than, than the nerds that you'd find at, uh, let's say, your traditional advertising agent, but not really too far off. Donnie Deutsch would be a great example of an ad executive turned pundit, um, but he was much better as an ad creative, certainly, um, like in the 90s, he was known for his work for his Donnie Deutsch ad agency. Uh, world known, uh, regularly awarded, uh, master of all basic advertising media. That would include uh, newspaper, print, magazine, television, uh, those traditional little less internet back then. Um, not a much of into the... Into the um, internet aspect since it was sort of like a, a 90s phenomena. But he, 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 he crossed, he crossed, you know, he did the crossover um, into television and into pundit, pundancy. Um, and uh, and uh, his extreme, I believe, well, you know what, I really don't even, I think he's really doesn't like Trump. Yeah, so I'm going to put him as very left because um, when you do things in a great fashion, um, you have to be extreme uh, in your political views. Really, if you really want to be uh, really be noted out there, um, you can be an iconoclast. Uh, that's certainly my fallback. Um, I'm not so political, but I do um, not immerse myself, but I do keep up. And I do find sort of interesting and intriguing in its only in its own way, uh, even Rhode Island politics, our local politics, you know, um, uh, certainly, um, and and certainly national and now international. I get a taste of that. I get a taste of that when I uh, check my headlines, um, typically every morning, um, in a real casual way. Uh, I don't really get into specific article reads. I kind of peruse the news. I'm a news peruser. And I invented that. No, I didn't. I'm not, certainly not the first. I used to be that way in the, in the old days. Well, the old days, I say around like 2000 when I was living in my apartment. I got the New York Times Sunday morning. Talk about a treat. Oh, my God. To get that on my doorstep 
uh, uh, my doorstep in my apartment I had there in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, um, and just pick that paper up and enjoy the inky, hold sensual. Uh, you smell the paper; it's fresh, delivered. It's a fresh delivered New York Times, and it's uh, it's a um, it's a pedestrian's um, epitome of news. Well, it's quite simply the unarguably the greatest newspaper in the world. And I was thinking about the New York Times just the other day because it um, I don't know when it was, but I just remembered how uh, that although it, it leans very left, uh, you can be sure of, of uh, in the case of Donald Trump, slightly skewed to the left, certainly. Uh, they are not going to, uh, they're not going to praise him up unless they're quoting one of his supporters, or uh, they're not going to just do it um, out, of the, out of any kind of emotion. They're going to be playing it um, definitely left-leaning because they're going to be playing it really kind of like making this guy out to be uh, the monster that he could very well end up being. These cases that he's going into now here in mid, almost mid-August um, are of 2023. You know, he's got all these indictments and really it's not looking good for, for Donald Trump. He's got, I learned today actually, from the New York Times, my newsletter I get every morning, I, I really like it. Um, it's got games at the end. I really look forward to playing the games at the end. New York Times has mastered the whole games in, in, a, in a real classic New York Times sense. They've got, believe me, they've got the best puzzle solvers and puzzle creators. Um, I get a regular newsletter called New York Times Gameplay. It's every Friday. It appears in my, my mailbox, and I really look forward to it. Um, and... Um, so it's kind of just a fun diversion. Uh, there you go, diversion. But certainly Donald Trump, uh, he is definitely not played up. Um, he, he, the New York Times is not a spin master. It's the anti-spin master. It's going the other way. You know, the whirlpool is going the other way. The cyclone is going the other way. And they are um, really in a... In, in a Important New York Times way, sucking the life, not really sucking the life though, actually. Uh, I was wrong in thinking that. Sucking, certainly not sucking the life out of Trump. If anything, he's more empowered by it because he's not a bitter man, but he's, and he is a complicated man, but he's sort of blunt and straightforward. And, you know, what, what of it, what of Trump is show and what of it is real tell? That's what I'd like to know. What, what, where does he stand? Is he sincere? He's not the sincere kind of guy, is he? He really can't. He like fumbles over himself when it comes to sincerity. He just has no sincerity at all. Uh, and then you can almost extrapolate from that um, that he's uh, not, not empathetic at all, emphatic. Not emphatic. Um, and he's not... Uh, he's not going to, um, unless in an official way, or he's not going to come out just to um, uh, to praise someone, although he'll do it 
in a way that is a part of a uniting force of his message, and he's actually pretty crafty. He's what you would call sort of a crafty guy. You know, he could have been the villain with the turned-up mustache, you know, uh, Penelope Pitstop kind of villain, I'm thinking, a very simplified, uh, archetypical, you know, villain uh, that you'd see on a Sunday morning cartoon or, you know, in a really old kind of... Um, uh, Western kind of bad heavy guy that you might see. Uh, really mustache turned up, um, scheming, conniving, uh, a dangerous individual. And he's a, he's a character that endures because he's the villain in all of our frenzy, our really stupid frenzy, I think. It's a real shame that Hollywood... Uh, maybe this actor's strike, you know, maybe the actor's inserting themselves more, you know, not wanting to do the AI and get involved. They don't want, they don't, they, I support the actors all the time. I support the creatives. I, I just do. I'm like your uh, cross-the-ticket creative-type supporter. I just, uh, because I value creativity in people, because I think creativity is one of the kind of like the, the tools if I can use that word, it's one of the tool words that we use to get to sort of um, a, good, a good place. Let's just say a good place in our minds. A good mindset really is really what's value, is, is what's of value. So I'm all for the actors in the, um, the, the Screen Actors Guild um, and um, more power to them. And now, you know, the writers and the actors are actually striking together. They're in their own world to sort of drive, to sort of, um, uh, sort of, um, uh, what would you call conflicting. They also will conflict. You know, I think of like the Larry Sanders show, which I watched a few episodes of a while back. And I want to get back because I really enjoy it. And, the, you know, they did many, six seasons, I think. But um, uh, Gary Shandling who passed away, um, you know, already probably 15, 20 years ago now, um, just a great comedic genius in the, in, in the realm of uh, the, you know, in the realm of, in the spirit of, of Lenny Bruce and the, the antic, an, anarchistic, or anarchistic anarchy promoting attitudes of him and, of course, George Carlin, Carlin uh, sort of the, the, the one who took the crown from uh, Lenny Bruce. I mean, Lenny Bruce, I mean, you know, you could do a podcast about this guy, but I don't know enough about him. But I was intrigued by him as a kid. And I was like, sort of, wow, what a radical approach to his audience and the material. Uh, no wonder he was, he was the FBI and all no wonder, because he spread the truth. And what, what are officials really afraid of? They're really afraid of the truth. Um, politicians, um, you know, with all, their, um, with all of their um, pronunciation, uh, pronouncements, pronouncements, certainly, and all of their rhetoric, uh, they are really, yeah, they're... they're yeah, it's not a good, yeah, politicians um, we don't really, in a lot of sense, trust. On the local level, maybe more so, I'm going to say that. 
But, you know, do we really trust Donald Trump? Um, do we trust um, Biden, President, uh, President Biden? Um, do we trust him? Uh, his approval ratings have come back up a little bit. They're still lower than uh, where they should be, certainly. White House is sort of um, in a panic because the, 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 um, the, the, uh, what the deal is is the primaries are right around the corner in, uh, next month, followed by the general election. Oh, no, the primaries are next month on referendum, I believe. Um, something's happening this November locally, I think. But in 2024, of course... Um, and in 2024, you know, September primaries, I believe, then October is a rest month, and then, and then November comes on strong with the general, the general election. That's going to divide it, and the, the, the president, the, the new president or the re-elected president will, um, will uh, take over or continue to open the door like he has for the last four years if it's Biden. Um, but if it's Trump, it's a transitional, it's that, that white, it's that, it's that president's, president's um, uh, transition into office. Uh, Donald Trump wasn't really very good to, to Biden. Of course, he was very, uh, not, not your transition. Yeah, that was sort of a cold kind of thing. Trump just totally plays his role uh, I got to say, uh, heroically, he really, if he is on board with his senses, which I think he is, um, he is a, he's a, he is a kick, a quick, quick Sotian, uh, Don Quixote, how do you say that, Quixotean, or, uh, uh, yeah, kicks, kick Sotian, something like that, um, quick sock, <laughs> anyway, uh, Man of La Mancha, you know, kind of chasing windmills and um, all that fun stuff, uh, Donald Trump. Um, but the villain aspect of Donald Trump, he could be your Saturday morning variety uh, villain. So we talked about technology and how we're... We're dexterous when it comes to... We have dexterity when it comes to technology, certainly. We're just so used to interacting and interfacing with... with it. It's a real interface. It's a techno-interface, but it's a techno-dexterity. I sort of am coining that word. Techno-dexterity. Kind of flows really kind of nice. Sounds really scientific, too. Techno-dexterity. Um, and it's easy to remember and easy to work with techno-dexterity. But anyway, with techno-dexterity, we, um, as I stated earlier, can uh, learn to enjoy our interfaces, um, not abuse them, you know, not go that gambler's habit of abusing. And, and that happens with young people. They really do abuse it, don't use it the right way, constructive way. They use it in a destructive, negative way. And that's that's a lot of subcultures in American youth. It's it's uh, it's a splintered society, definitely that you know, a 
splintered society. It was a little more uniform, um, a little more uniform, and certainly it was uniform in the 50s, uh, conforming to everything. And then the 60s, um, it definitely got broke out and got diverse. And I know the, um, uh, you know, there were the the black people were asserting themselves, and, and uh, you know, thank God for that. You know, they 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 have. It's it's great to see how far they've come but you know they'll also be the first to say that we haven't gone far enough and that's very true but I'd like to kind of like compartmentalize this sub-segment or yeah I would say it's a sub-segment or no it is its own its own Um, and that's the you know contemplating what it was like before and specifically you know think of the imagery through 18th century paintings of outdoor uh, picnics Um, you think of Rubens you think of uh, Delacroix I believe Um, you think of uh, Degas and you think of um, I don't know about Monet um, but possibly uh, uh, Van Gogh probably I should know my fine arts, visual arts, um, greats, uh, ma- ma- master, masters, great masters of, of, of uh, your, you know, um, and I have an over, good overview about it, but, um, you know, and then the, 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 uh, my sister-in-law Janet uh, brought up um, uh, that, that old British show, uh, which was great. My dad loved it, keeping up appearances. And the, it was called the Riparian Picnic, I believe is what uh, one of the episodes was, or many, actually many, because she brought up that word a lot, Riparian, which is by the river. So think of, a, think of, think of that kind of painting from, you know, the 1800s, certainly. Um, uh, the 1800s, and you think of leisure. You know, um, not not a lot of sexuality unless you go take different artist kind of representations. Um, you know, nudes, the the nudes um, in the in the in the woods. You know, in a picnic kind of situation. You know, rollicking, rollicking, uh, um, softic, at least women or bigger. Um, they actually were overweight, but. That was the way the artist kind of envisioned and wanted to convey the, um, I think, out of that, um, you know, looking back just at the painting and trying to take it in, whatever that typical painting, that um, tip, that painting, that archetypical painting of the era, let's say 1850 to turn of the century. Uh, Riparian inland um, you know maybe the manor is in the distance maybe there's a manor Uh, there's a swimming kind of hold there there's a nice area to lay out a blanket um, or not um, and actually not and actually a lot of picnics in these depictions um, are really kind of simple things as far as food they're not the big affairs we make out today you know Um, you know 
we were happy as kids going to Slater Park. And my dad, on one of those iffy days that we didn't go to the beach, a good backup thing was just to get Dunkin' Donuts. And we mostly liked maple donuts. So most of the box of 12 were pretty much mostly maple donuts. Um, uh, and, and we would just, we loved maple and maple donuts. And I can tell you stories about maple extract and maple flavor and maple real well not so much real back then not a lot of real maple syrup in the house we had log cabin which i think is the best uh mass-produced non-maple based maple syrup based not the sap from the tree boiled down uh, less expensive commercialized uh, you saw a lot of commercials in the 60s for log cabin uh, you saw a lot of commercials for uh, Aunt Jemima. You saw um, uh, with her mug on, with her uh, visage or her her face on on, on the logo, uh, just like the Quaker Oat guy, another great staple. Um, but Quaker Oats was advertising heavily. Yeah, the companies um, with television, these companies had to come forward with the consumer products. We got less of that today. It's just more boring today. We don't have such concrete products as Drano or tidy bowl uh, with the little guy in the boat we, these iconic commercials because we had a love-hate relationship with uh, the 50s and 60s booming industrial um, and uh, technology certainly cutting edge but and we didn't really look at cutting edge and kind of step back and look at it in fact that was but we probably did we actually were amazed you know Right, from, right down from grandmother in 1910 getting into her first car and saying, this machine, I love my, I love this machine. You know, maybe she was in the rumble seat, you know. Can conjure up all that energy. Um, yeah, it was certainly cool. And it was cool to see, um, it was cool to see how, how those played out. But, uh, but back to the paintings and back to the era, it was a simpler time, and recreation consisted of, of that, certainly, you know, or maybe it was every day, but I think these paintings make it look like a special time, you know, occasional picnic, because they had other things to do. They had games in the yard, bocce, um, you know, lawn polo, maybe, uh, if they're on a manor, they played some tennis, you know, tennis was around then, um, a new sort of sport invention. Certainly, um, uh, but maybe not. Tennis might go back more, actually. Um, but uh, in England and in, 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 in France, uh, where you have these uh, opportunities for this um, repass or, or certainly this uh, picnic, this uh, frolicky or otherwise, uh, could be very kind of... Um, uh, there's paintings that are very intimate that are picture paintings, but the, the real story behind it is these people had all this beautiful time with nature and outdoor you know I came outdoor and let the cat out Kane'sman coming out today he scared me today he was actually I couldn't find him I knew he was in the perimeter of the house somewhere I looked under the porch which is really hard for me to do I had really nice pants on I had to really bend down it's dark under there but the slats from the porch floor um, give me enough light to see and I, I pretty sure he wasn't under there which was good he had gone under there a couple weeks ago um, and came out maybe about 10 minutes later which was good um, 
but he definitely checked out what was under there. And I, when I looked under, I was happy to see that we were no dead carcasses or anything, because I've got to, I got to actually, and I think I'm going to do that right now or soon. Uh, well, not right now, but at some point soon. Uh, put the mesh back. I just had to replace it back. It's actually right there. I just didn't take it out because I took him out from it and carried him right into the house. But today, he didn't go there. He went around somewhere under a bush, I think, probably. I couldn't see him under. And he was under there probably for a good half hour. But he did um, show himself, and I was really relieved to see that because I was really concerned, you know. Um, he doesn't really know his way outside the world. Uh, he was a little kitten boy when he was found outside. Um, and, um, and I got, his name's Kane, by the way. And he's a good boy, but he loves to go outside. But he, I found out the other day, uh, which I was happy to see, he did want to go back in. Uh, really wanted to go back in. Something must have startled him. I think he's okay with the cars that go by. Hunts Avenue gets its share of cars. Um, not so much now. I'm out on my front stoop, and there's not so much car activity now because it's Sunday. It's a actually glorious Sunday. It's cloudy, but puffy, nice, beautiful cloud. Kind of a half blue sky, half clouded day, with leaning to the more blue, and the sun pokes itself out in a real nice, warming fashion. Uh, it's another one of those pleasant days. Uh, so getting These reports are getting boring because the days of this summer have just been really panning out, at least in my perspective, you know? Um, but then you always hear it when you're out on the streets or wherever, across your neighbor's house, how hot it's been. Um, but I try to look on the good side. Um, I like the warmer weather. I got, a, I got more of a tolerance. But when I'm working on my patio in the back, which I'm doing now, um, I hope to get done soon. Um, it's really been sort of warm days, so I've taken it really easy and haven't progressed as far as I want. Thankfully, my, my friend across the street, Gary, um, he's great. Um, he came over and helped me, and he had a lot of the tools I liked. Uh, one of them is the, uh, great, um, the, great, the great symbol of uh, farm life in the implement category, and that's going to definitely be the pitchfork. Um, think about the pitchfork for a minute. No, really. Uh, the invention of it. The, how it totally, totally. It's such an elegant tool. Um, it's usually on a long pole. Um, and um, I worked at a hardware store, so we had all the gardening and tool uh, and landscaping implements uh, selection. Um, Ames was a big brand that we carried, or the brand, um, and they're still a big player in in garden tools, certainly like shovels, that kind of ilk. Um, but the the idea with with um, the paintings of the 1800s and the rollicking and and not so rollicking pictures, sometimes intimate scenes of picnics between a man and a woman. Um, these are unidentified. Uh, these, are, these are anonymous people. You know, that's what's so cool about painting. It really elevates these subjects. Um, hmm. You can't do that in a photograph. Try doing that with a photograph and it looks staged, doesn't it? I mean, it could work, 
it certainly could work. There's a lot of great photographers out there. Believe me, I'm sort of a photographer um, myself. Um, and that's the graphic design in me. And when I'm doing my oil paintings, I have that approach too. It's a photographic approach um, that I'm into right now. It could change. I could morph. I don't know. There's different ways. There's different paths with paint. I did a whole part of a podcast recently on oil painting and, and really the joy of it that I've discovered because I started off really kind of iffy about it. But people supported me, great people in my life that supported me in my, in that kind of, um, that kind of uh, more than a hobby, but sort of endeavor sounds really kind of um, hoity-toity. Uh, but it's somewhere in between, it's somewhere in between. Because a hobby is just a fun thing like a train set or first comes to mind or, you know, hobby is, you know, bird watching, but Claude wouldn't call it that. My brother, my oldest brother uh, is an avid bird fan, um, almost borderline bird fanatic. Um, he always is pointing out the birds that are part of the landscape is certainly and not part of the landscape at any given part of the season. At any given day, at any given time, he can bring up, uh, he can bring up Arctic terns. I can, you know, he's got, he's got a really good, great grasp of knowledge um, uh, with that field, self-taught, you know. Uh, loved it since a kid. I, we went on bird, bird things with Claude and his cousin Mark, my cousin Mark, uh, and my cousin Andy, Mark's brother, uh, and I would bike, and we were honored to really go bird watching with Mark and Claude, you know, uh, traipsing through uh, the Caratunk Wildlife Refuge in, in, in Seekonk, uh, which is the Rhode Island Audubon Society in Seekonk, Mass. Um, and it's, it's really a great wildlife refuge. It's, it's definitely, it's a, I would call it a compact refuge. Um, but it has an outlook area. It's got some fields. Uh, not a lot. It's got a lot of glades and fern growth. Um, it's got a dam and a, a small dam kind of set up uh, with water. Uh, a good-sized pond. Actually, a very good-sized pond. Just your adequate-sized pond. <laughs> you know, uh, it doesn't get too stagnant. In the, it does, but it doesn't so much. Being a larger pond which I would classify it. Um, you could call it a small pond, but any pond conjures up a good-sized pond, I think. Uh, like almost not a lake, certainly not a lake yet. Not lake status, sorry, pond. Um, but you're still great, and you couple that with, you know, the water canaling and the channeling technology that they use. They incorporated it on the refuge, Caratunk. And it's kind of just a nice area to go. Um, I'd mountain bike back there. Um, and um, I went on the power line uh, right away. And I really kind of like opened up the bike on that, on that kind of uh, gravelly terrain. Uh, there's a liberating aspect to a power line um, uh, right of way. And it's sort of got a mystical quality to it, to me. Um, I've been on many hikes with my brother Claude and, and others, and uh, we have we have um, gone through areas where there have many many power line roads and they're pretty 
big and different in scale. Um, yeah, there's one actually right near Caratunk, and it's actually might even part, be part of Caratunk. Um, but there's bird life there, there's uh, animal life. Um, it can be quiet at times. Uh, you can come up short with birding at certain types of, types of year, not certainly this type of year, time of year in, in late summer, but certainly, uh, I can't believe it's already late summer, um, but certainly in the colder temps, uh, those months, uh, the, you can go away unsatisfied uh, with your bird encounters, certainly. That's the, that's the downside upside. It's a mixed blessing. You still get the great experience of hiking, and I, I've learned to really enjoy and appreciate it more through our hikes, Claude and I, um, but now I think I could do a hike in a real good, real good attitude. Um, we, we left our attitudes at home, Claude and I. We left our egos at home. Uh, we were a hiking team. Uh, we, had, um, uh, we had a certain elegance to us. We certainly um, were fit. We were fit and really up to um, most of the time not not averting it, but mostly up to, and it's all important with, with hiking in New Hampshire, especially in Vermont, where we've gone, Colorado, certainly, um, uh, California. Uh, these are places where you're going to do some elevation gain. You know, you're going to do some climbing, Appalachian style. You know, you're not, not hand over hand climbing. This is uh, stand up walking uh, via climbing, you know, uh, throughway climbing. Um, and it's, it's a good, efficient way to get up a mountain. And some of these mountains in New Hampshire, you know, massive kind of mountains on our New England scale. Um, and I appreciate uh, all of God's beauty of that wilderness and the days make a difference. The weather changes atmospheres. It's amazing the birds you see up in these elevations. Claude and I have witnessed so many, um, you know, Canadian jay, for instance, the Canadian jays that weren't even supposed to be where we were hiking, and we saw them. So what a blessing that was on that particular day. Um, and I'm going back, you know, I'm going back uh, 25, 30 years ago. Um, I'm going back that far. Um, uh, we were younger. We were fitter. Um, we uh, still we still ate pretty well. We definitely made our we took care of ourselves, as my dad would always say. You kids take care of yourselves, you know. Like if we're making our own bowl of cereal, like he, you know, we're we're always all we care about is ourselves and eating. He's sort of saying that in a nice my in my dad's way of saying it. You kids take care of yourselves, you know. <laughs> sure, and we did, you know. Uh, and but Caratunk, uh, great, great spot, um, and great, just it's a great little diversion to take. Not too big, like I said. Uh, there's an overlook, which is really rewarding. It, it overlooks a marshy uh, part of the pond, and it's very, um, it's a good station to see some bird activity. Um, and from a distance or near. I like the intimate birds, you know, the, the hedgerow, the little, the little hide-and-seekers, the warblers. You know, my brother loves warblers. Um, I don't think anybody in the world can love warblers 
uh, or be as enthralled and interested in warblers as my brother Claude. Um, I don't know of any other warbler specialist because he really is. When it comes to warblers, you know, um, and so you're up on warblers if, we, if you're with Claude in the spring, definitely. Um, and any time of year, Caratunk is open. Uh, you can leave a donation, I believe. Uh, you can write your name in the book. I think there's a book in the, in the little famous shack right by the parking lot. Uh, it's a logical kind of natural setup. Uh, it really flows well. You can take different paths. You can do it differently each day. Um, yeah, it's got, it's got a lot going for it. And it's not a big area. That's the amazing thing. And it borders the power lines, which adds a real kind of different, I don't know, gives it a different kind of whole dynamic, doesn't it? Uh, when you're in that kind of environment of, uh, of, you know, a New England environment, quintessential, you know, and you've got water, a body of water, sizable, nothing to complain about, but nothing to write home about either, you know, um, but enough to do it. Enough to do it, enough to create an environment for, uh, for water life, you know, frogs and certainly any of those things and toads and things like that and great little critters, um, the aquatic amphibians, quitters, critters, and then you've got, you know, uh, little weasels, of course, and you've got uh, marmots, maybe, possibly, and you've got... Um, nothing really bigger than a uh, bobcat, maybe. Uh, I'd love to see a bobcat in the wild. They have never seen a snow leopard or a bobcat. Uh, and I think these are such beautiful uh, things, animals to behold. The cat, to me, I don't know, it seems to be the most efficiently beautiful, uh, perfectly made of God's living animals um, on this uh, precious earth we have because the animals are all really, they're just really pleasant, pleasing to look at. And I think that's all built in. You know, they evolve with us. We're all one big family. We really are, you know? Um, and and we, we take care of our animals. We want to, you know? We, we try to do what's best for our pets at home take the dog out for his walk every night um, before bedtime, you know, to relieve himself. We do these things. We pick up his poop after him, you know. Why? Because we love our animal. He's just as much part of the family as anybody, certainly. We had dogs um, growing up, and I've got two cats right now, um, and Lulu She's just sleeping right on my lap by my knee. So comfortable. She's so comfortable on me. Um, yeah, I was petting her the other day, and I just commented how silky her fur is to her. Um, they don't, of course they don't understand. Um, but the beauty of, of a painting in that genre of the picnic, and it opens up that idea of your mindset today. It's like... It's not a, 
it's not an attitude of I don't care because you do care. We all care. We care about our family and friends and everybody, our loved ones and people we meet. We care on a daily basis. We, we do. We really do. Um, and there's goodness in everybody. I've discovered that, really. And it's wonderful to, just, to discover. Um, but uh, to chill on a picnic, to evoke an 18th century painting in a real exacting kind of attitudinal way with different dress, maybe. But, you know, those scenes could be painted today, but it'd be part of a modern, distracting world we live in. We, we live in that world that just um, uh, can really take our time interfacing. We can really, really fall into a real um, beyond a habit um, and between a habit and a disease, but it really can be managed, it can be approached at differently, it can be timed and locked out, I'm trying to get better at that, um, I do play a little long on my games, but I don't want to really watch TV, I used to try to catch gun smoke at one o'clock um, on weekdays, and now I, I don't, I watched it yesterday for the first time in so long. As I'm trying to do other things besides that. I don't want to put the TV on much before 5 o'clock now. Which I think is a good thing. I think it's a good thing. It's indirect. You don't really notice it. Because you're doing other things. See? That's how it's all worked out. But certainly time management is one thing of modern life that you didn't have to worry about so much in the old days, like 1870. You know, um was structured to people's lives of course they had engagements you know if if but just a simple visit to their neighbor's house uh, for scones and tea you know uh, but the just total um, uh, just total uh, zen kind of kind of attitude to take in, in invoking these uh, great outdoor scenes really of people enjoying the outdoors. You know, it's not even really almost specific to picnic, although it is a, it's a great setting, isn't it? It gives the painter opportunity to paint nature and trees and flowers and, and foreground and um, right down to the dirt that they're on or the grass or um, the, the blue sky in the background, maybe. Maybe it's a more intimate scene. Um, reduced kind of scene that still evokes all the feelings that these great masters could convey to us back then, certainly. And it's great to see people doing things that are traditional, you know. How long has the riparian picnic occurred? The frolicking picnic that's portrayed. It was, must have been important, you know. Uh, it's in the spirit of, of Fragonard, I believe, with the did the swing? Oh, that's no. Is that that's another painter, and I should know who it is. Uh, Watteau, I think, the woman on the swing. Um, I think I might be right about that. Um, but if I was wrong, please forgive me. Uh, I don't want to spread any misinformation. But um, that's kind of 18th century scene of of a girl in white lace dress, um, uh, blithely. Uh, swinging on a, on a swing out in the tree with nature and the sun and the whole thing. And it's a vibrant painting. 
and it's a hyper-realistic painting, I think, but it's impressionistic, but yet he does it, he does some magic with this painting. Um, and these are paintings that are hung all over the world in great museums all over the world that we admire and can readily look up and Google. Simple as that, you know? Um, just, just Alexa, you know? Give me some paintings from the 18th, give me some picnic scene paintings from the 18th century. Or Google it, you know? Talking to your microphone. Um, and then come out the other end with a wealth of information from Wikipedia, which is a good synopsis. It's a good, really good overview that goes into somewhat some good details with almost endless links. Almost endless links. Yeah, there's references and there's always like uh, credible credibility to Wikipedia. They have to make it that way because all the articles that don't are sent in from amateur uh, creators of uh, what is supposed to be totally accurate content, by the way. These people are basically giving you an encyclopedia, uh, but not publishing it in ink so much. Um, no, you can't get Wikipedia in print form. Um, and it is only on the web. And it's very important. And we have to trust it. We've got to trust our those institutions that we've created. You know, as much as we trust the Webster's Printed Dictionary on the library stand um, in the library uh, as almost like the Bible of, uh, of uh, the world of words and language in the English language, certainly. 